horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do, can do, this is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to another edition of the Can Do Podcast, with Heroes in History of Horse Racing Come Alive, part of the In the Money Media Network. This is another episode of our Beyond the Backstretch series, celebrating and illuminating the lives of the backstretch heroes who make our sport run every day. Fourteen years ago, Paul Ruchames joined an organization that had its founding 20 years prior to his arrival. The Backstretch Employee Service Team, founded by Rudy Rios, who recognized his issues with alcohol were endemic in the backstretch community that he loved. Rudy's continuing success with taming his own addictions and those of countless others has been previously documented in this space. He continues to be a shining example of what one person can do to affect positive change in the world around him. That organization, more familiarly known as BEST, now provides a huge spectrum of services to that community, a model for our sport, and one we need to hold up to the larger world out there as a reminder of one of the many things racing does right in a world that seems to constantly want to find fault. Now, 14 years after he first took his counseling skills to the backstretch community, Paul has decided to return to his private practice. His departure signals the end of an era in which the organization he joined in 2010 now services over 4,000 backstretch community members with more than 20 full and part-time staff and a legion of volunteers. Paul's career trajectory in the backstretch community reminds me of the old saying our Boy Scout leaders taught us many years ago. Make sure you leave the campsite in as good or better shape than it was when you arrived. Mission accomplished, Paul. Let's take a few minutes to reflect with Paul on the organization he joined and the organization he is leaving. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend I'll help you carry on for so, so Paul I was curious how long have you how long have you been at best uh, well it will be 14 years this coming February okay wow so it's been a long time yeah and if you don't mind um what was the organization like when you, you know, without patting yourself on the back too much, which you, you deserve to do, by the way, uh, but uh, what was it like when you joined and how would someone who last saw Best, let's say, 14 years ago, what changes would they have seen as you leave the field here in, in 2023? Yeah, that's a good question. I think back then in 2010 when I started, it was mainly a program for people with alcohol problems and drug problems, mm-hmm. um, although it hadn't yet been licensed to do such. Um, uh, and since I've come, uh, we expanded the reach and the mission of BEST greatly. So um, it included uh, primary health care services for all the backstretch workers, uh, subsidies for health insurance um, when the Affordable Care Act took place. We saw that as an opportunity to help the backstitch workers, and and we established a subsidy program for them. Um, so there was none of that beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. And also, we created legal services, and um, and our program in Saratoga was um, uh, greatly expanded on as well. Yeah, I know. I think there's some things you didn't mention too, right? Like citizenship programs. Uh... Yeah, English as a second language. Um, really, a whole kind of spectrum of needs for a population that uh, you know 
generally comes from, for a large part, comes from non-U.S.-based locations, right? Yes, yes. We're trying to really become, and I think to a great extent we have, is a safety net for the backstretch workers, a kind of a social service system in and of itself, um, because many of them, for different reasons, are unable to access the social service system of that's here. Um, so uh, we we evolved to serve, you know, a wide range of a holistic range of people's needs uh, who work so hard on the backstretch. And, and we developed a way to be really flexible and nimble when new needs would emerge. Mm. Uh, so that, for example, when COVID hit, yeah. we responded very comprehensively and aggressively and really were able to marshal a lot of resources to help the backstretch workers uh, and prevent a, a tragedy from happening here. Um, so um, that that was really a big part of our goal. And I think we you know, have achieved that, and I'm sure we'll continue to. Yeah, and COVID, I know you and I have talked about that before, but that's a great example of a really thoughtful approach to an unprecedented situation. And I say thoughtful and unprecedented because, you know, there was no, you know, social distancing, or put it this way, the social distancing Opportunities were are far more limited in a thoroughbred racing backstretch community situation, right? Yes, absolutely. And and really, there was a little sense when I got here of of public health initiatives. Mm-hmm. And I think what COVID did, and and before that too, but we were able to really heighten the backstretch workers' consciousness of public health issues and prevention. Uh, in the past, um, almost no one would get vaccines that were um, offered by by the community. Uh, mm-hmm. But when we came in, um, we were able to get people vaccinated for things like the flu and hepatitis, pneumonia, shingles, um, and of course with COVID-19. Whether uh, and I mean now it seems to be known that it didn't really prevent you from getting it, but it it we I can't confirm it did prevent the severity of it from manifesting itself. And I think a lot of this also came something we tried to do, I tried to do, was to develop a really broad network of support in the larger communities that surround the tracks that we function in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Belmont, Aqueduct, and Saratoga. Um, because you really need, it takes a village, you know, to, to use that yeah. phrase, uh, to help a person and best alone can do a lot, but best with getting the trust of many stakeholders in the community can do 10 times more and be very valuable. And I think that's what we have now is we've brought awareness to the local communities in uh, primarily in Saratoga Springs and Elmont area around Belmont to mm-hmm. the fact that backstretch workers are here. When I first got here, and I would go to different community meetings, uh, particularly in, in uh, Elmont, uh, near the Belmont racetrack. Uh, many people had no idea that so many people lived on the backstretch. Um, they just sort of vaguely knew there was a, a track there, and uh, but no sense of who the how many workers were there. When I would tell them there could be up to a thousand, they were like mm-hmm. shocked. Yeah. So. Um, so I think we were able to really bring a lot of awareness that it is there now 
and um, an appreciation for the work they do and how much it helps the local communities that they're in. Um, the Elmont community, the Saratoga Springs community would be a very different um, uh, and less affluent areas mm. without racing being located in there. So, um, yeah, I think we're able to um, achieve that. You know, you mentioned stakeholders, too. I, I know, uh, you know, when you and I have chatted before, you've mentioned the support of not just Myra and, and NYSA, the Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, but also Northwell um, yeah. Health as well, right? You, you really have expanded, I think, the definition of a, a stakeholder and what having that stake means to them and then how that translates into support. Mm-hmm. Yes, North, uh, Northwell and Saratoga Hospital were invaluable. Uh, I mean, in general, but particularly during the COVID crisis. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's making the community aware, especially when you're dealing with a contagious disease, you just can't ignore one part of the population because it will affect you. Um, uh, no matter where you live, it's important for everyone to be healthy so that everyone can stay healthy. And I think um, that awareness has really grown greatly in the in the uh, surrounding communities that we're in, and appreciation of the the quality and the importance of the work that these uh, backstretch workers do. Yeah, and, and uh, you know when I look at uh, announcements like I think there are new dormitories being built on the Belmont backstretch as we speak, right? Um, yes. I, I think that, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know if you had a director role in that or not. I suspect you have certainly a role. Uh, but, but I think the awareness that was raised and then the support given by, you know, Naira and NIFA too, um, mm-hmm. have, have increased over time, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that contributes when things like this have to happen with legislators and others who ultimately are the kind of the decision makers on that. Mm-hmm. Um, that when they see groups like Best and their other nonprofits as well on the backstretch, um, and they hear the story of the backstretch workers told through us, um, it really does lead to more support for bigger initiatives and culminating, I think, in, you know, all that's happening, not only in Belmont, but Saratoga too, mm-hmm. um, for the backstretch workers with dormitories and, and other kinds of services that that are here. Social service work never ends. It persists and it changes, but it never ends. Old challenges continue to present themselves even among the numerous success stories and new ones arrive. Even those events that can provide great excitement in one corner of the sport can provide additional challenges to the backstretch team that makes those events happen. Uh, Paul, it's it's an interesting time to get down to specifics a little bit now. You know, we've got... um, Belmont at the Big A, and now we're going to have the Belmont at Saratoga. Um, you know, so Belmont itself is in this transitional period where the main facility is obviously being completely reimagined, I guess, if you will. Um, how does all of that change impact the, the, the backstretch workers? Well, I think uh, for now the impact is is growing, um, you know, mainly in that uh, the workers have to do their work now all at Aqueduct rather mm-hmm. than split it between Aqueduct and Belmont. And Aqueduct is about 10, 11 miles, I think, from Belmont Racetrack by highway mm-hmm. and 
and often there's a lot of traffic because it leads to it's right across the road from Kennedy Airport, right. which is one of the most trafficked areas in the United States, really. So it could take 45 minutes to get there, even though it's only 10, 11 miles. So um, it's created just a little bit more of a burden for the workers who are in Belmont uh, because they're all dorming in Belmont and have to go to Aqueduct. Um, other than the Saratoga meet, they have to go to Aqueduct uh, year-round now for the next uh, two years. Okay. This year it's very exciting, or I mean next year in 2024, as everyone now knows, the Belmont Stakes meet will be in Saratoga Springs. So the four-day uh, meet will be there. Uh, so that's a great opportunity for the workers, but also it's going to be uh, difficult for them to, uh, you know, manage that yeah, as it would yeah. be for anyone to go somewhere for four or five days only. Right, um, right, uh, right. But I do trust that Naira is working pretty diligently and NISA on uh, making sure accommodations are appropriate and good for the backstitch workers during that period. Um, and and there'll be a tr tremendous amount of excitement that the workers, you know, they love horse racing too. In addition to their job, it's probably different than most jobs, and that you know they really do identify with the product, and um, you know to be part of this historic happening, uh, I think will mean a lot to people, and I'm glad they're getting that opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm just thinking about uh, you know the Belmont being up there. Um, you know, we talked uh, earlier this year with um, Nancy, you know, your team leader up in Saratoga, and she talked about how, you know, the season starts quite a bit earlier for them once really, once training opens there. But now they've got uh, the additional, at least probably the next two years, I would imagine, uh, you know, earlier hive of activity in the season um, with the the, the Circus come and sit down, if you will, for just a you know four or five day period, and then you know uh, winding back down again. That's going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah, it will be. It's uh, it, it's not only the many backstretch workers who need to get there, but um, everyone else associated with racing. Uh, tens of thousands of fans coming in from all over the world. Um, so there's, it'll be quite um in Saratoga Springs as a city is quite adept at this but it will be quite a challenge yeah. in a small city like that to accommodate this just you know rush of people uh tens of thousands of people and then and then them leaving 4 days later right um of course it's the the focus of the world for for uh, certainly for the for the Belmont Stakes race day Paul isn't retiring, not when you can hear the passion in his voice for the work that he does, but you can also hear the tug of family and loved ones that pulls as well. A not uncommon sentiment as one starts to reflect on our time aboard this spinning marble we call Earth. I know you're not, uh, I know you're not fully retiring here. You're actually, I think, going back to and continuing kind of the work that you've done over time, Paul, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've been uh, for the last... Uh... About 20 years, I've been a private practicing therapist, uh, and I plan to continue that. I'm, I've had to reduce it, of course, because of the very demanding nature of the work I do for best, but um, I love doing it and feel I do it well, and uh, so I'm excited about continuing that and getting involved in other 
um, social justice oriented work, um, similar to what, you know, I've been doing at best. Okay. So, um, I'm semi retired is what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that, uh, I mean, as one who's at some point coming up on retirement myself, I think semi is the way to be because I do think you need to stay engaged as long as you are able in some type of activity that's not involving sitting around watching TV reruns, right? Um, right. Uh, you know, and sleeping late. Uh, much, much like right. to do that. Um, I think one of the things I know from my therapy practice, one of the basic drives of human beings is the, the drive and the need for meaning in your life mm-hmm. and, and a sense of purpose. And at least according to one theoretical school, when a person loses that is when they get mentally sick. So I, um, I believe in that profound yeah. uh, approach. And so it's going to be important for me to find, and there's certainly, you know, no shortage of, of, uh, things to get involved in in our world today. Um, so what are, what are some of the other social justice initiatives you, uh, want to get involved in, or, or, or perhaps you know, increase your involvement? I'm just curious. Well, I'm not sure right now. Uh, that's something I'm going to evolve in, but uh, possibly, uh, more around the problem of drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, and, um, different approaches to prevention regarding it. Um, also, since I'm, I'm a New York City person by, by birth and seeing the crisis now with the uh, homelessness and the immigrants who've, um, I think there are 150,000 now living in New York City who weren't just a few months ago. So <clears throat> working on that issue, um, in certain ways interests me in trying to help with that process, kind of a historic moment that really could change New York City dramatically, depending on how it's handled. So yeah. I'd like to be a part of that. That's, that's an incredible challenge right there, because as you said, this is, you know, something that a tidal wave just kind of swept over. It swept over New York, swept over Chicago, swept over other cities as well. Uh, I know in my own home state of Massachusetts, um, you know, the state is up against the limits of shelter that it can provide. So, you know, creative solutions across the board, I think, are certainly needed. Um, yeah. No matter, how, it, no matter how you feel about it, right? No matter how you feel about it, we need creative solutions, I think. Right. And and ironically, for um, one of the problems at least some economists feel about that's causing inflation is there's a lack of workers in America right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, and of course, people should come and get vetted and, and all of that is very important. But there could be a way to turn this into a real plus uh, if we can get these people or many of these people working right now. They're they're not allowed to at least not allowed to work officially on the books. Right. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting area. That, but. Um, I think for for the time being, I'll just be with my private practice and okay. enjoying life. I have two granddaughters, and uh, I want to be mm-hmm. able to be with them more than I've been. Uh, as much as I love my work with Bass, it did sometimes I'd have to leave early or come late or not go at all to different events in their young lives, and I definitely want to be more yeah. a part of that. 
As we said, the salient fact about social service work is that it never ends. There is no shortage of things that his successor can build on in Paul's wake and grow as he or she takes the reins of BEST. Has BEST, uh, have you been involved in the search for a successor? Has one been named or is that still a process that's ongoing? No, it's still ongoing. Um, okay. I gave notice in, on November 1st, and mm-hmm. so it's uh, the process has begun, however, and I think um, because BEST, I think, has a really good reputation, and it's kind of the center of the re- – or one of the centers of the racing world, that it should draw a lot of interest um, for candidates, and you know, I'm really hopeful that um, my board will be able to find a great replacement for me and someone who could, you know, build on what I did and do some different things and better things. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that and hope it will happen. Yeah. What what do you see as the main areas of focus for your successor? I'm curious. Well, I'd say on first on the administrative level, it would be to continue what we're doing and develop more in the fundraising area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always important and challenging. Um, on the um, uh, clinical level, it would be to continue some of the programs and develop them further that we've uh, we've done with English as a second language classes, citizenship training, where we actually help people become U.S. citizens. Just we just had two in the last month, oh, great. Um, so hopefully great. to develop that further. Uh, our drug and alcohol prevention programs. We have uh, began a process of trying to get Narcan, which is the opiate antidote, um, in every barn on Belmont, and then followed up with Saratoga um, so that if an incident were to happen, uh, it could be responded to quickly and literally save lives. Um, So uh, things like that and other prevention activities, I think, are are very important. Um, being able to go more barn to barn to help people in need um, and deal with, I would say, one of the big problems on the backstretch is because most of the workers are immigrants, is just loneliness. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it could look like a psychiatric diagnosis at times, depression or something like that, but really at root, it's loneliness is being detached from the family. So finding different ways to help people to connect socially while yeah. they're here. Yeah. Um, I think we're doing a lot of that in, in uh, Belmont and Saratoga and Aqueduct, but uh, I think more could be done. Um, and also uh, we have a, a, a novel program this year on legal counseling, immigration counseling, okay. uh, family law counseling. Uh, I think that's very vital and important because it's a great stressor for many of the workers. Um, and being able to get um, free and, and idealistic attorneys to work with the workers, I think, is, is so important. So hopefully we'll continue that um, and educate people about American law, too, mm-hmm. to be more aware of it. Um, and uh, then just... Um, Continuing our mental health and, and substance abuse counseling programs because it's it's a it's really a pandemic all over the world um, and uh, it's definitely a problem within the confines of of the tracks that we work with and all the tracks really from what I hear um, 
and and outside the gates too, of course. Mm-hmm. I think there were this year alone over a hundred thousand people who lost their lives to opiate overdoses, which is a staggering amount, and that's just from one drug. Yeah, um, that's more than we lost. I mean, that's twice what we lost in the entire Vietnam War, which took place over you know I don't know many many years. So um, it's a huge ongoing tragedy, and that that's something that. Uh, you know, we want to be a part of, I want best to be a part of helping to prevent that from happening here. Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a scourge, actually. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, if you look in your local paper, how many times you'll see the obituary, the, the death notice of a young person. And sometimes the family is very candid about it. Sometimes they're not. Um, but you can, it's reached a point where it doesn't take much to read between the lines to understand what happened in terms of an overdose. You know, There's still a stigma associated with being someone who uses drugs, and part of what we're trying to do is, you know, counter that mm-hmm. uh, stigma because it, stigmas like that prevent you from getting help or being open about it. Um, and we want people to see it's something that doesn't just afflict backsuch workers. It afflicts, it knows nothing about yeah. Economic status or social status yeah. or racial status. Um, yeah. it just, I guess it has something to do with modern life, uh, and the accessibility of drugs and yeah. alcohol too. No, I think you're 100%, 100% correct. You know, Paul, um, you mentioned all the good things that, that, uh, you know, Best has been doing. And, and I know one of the things that you've done very successfully too, and I hope your successor will as well, is make sure to um, continue to publicize the mission because, you know, let's face it, we, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, horse racing is under the microscope, and there are things that we, as a sport, definitely need to do better. But there are things that we are doing right, too, and, and I think this is one shining example of that um, in, in a lot of ways, not just how it's supporting, um, you know, the, the backstretch community, but what it says about the welcoming nature of the community. Um and, and I hope that that is a focus as well to continue to let people know just what is happening um, in your in, in the organization and how it's how and the differences that it's making. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that's so important. I first met Paul in the summer of 2022 when I interviewed him after receiving a best fundraising letter. It was from that initial conversation and a subsequent coffee at Uncommon Ground in Saratoga that this Beyond the Backstretch series came into being. As I told Paul offline, doing these segments has been good for me personally. I hope it's done good for the organization. I hope it sheds some light on the wonderful work done by tremendous people who too often labor in the shadows of our sport. But for me, It served as a wonderful affirmation about the good people and good things that are out there in a world that seems to too often want to focus on the negative. Won't you join me in honoring the fine work done by Paul, Nancy Stilwell, Francisco Barrera, Freddy Salvatore, and so many others who have joined us on this podcast by contributing to Best Right Now? Go to bestbackstretch.org and click on the donate button in the upper right corner to support the terrific work done by these dedicated people. We'll be back again soon to share another story that takes us beyond the backstretch. I wish you and yours the happiest and healthiest of holidays. As we always say here, may good health and happiness and gratitude for both be yours, for you and your loved ones, today and always.
got the horse. Ride!